this morning. And uh, man, if you are interested in partnership, there are partnership applications out on the, the table in the lobby, and you can stop by and pick one of those up. Uh, we just had a partnership class, uh, but we can offer another one. And so we don't offer them unless you're interested in them. So fill out one of those applications, or you can sign up for the partnership class on the, the Church Center app or the website. And uh, you can utilize that as a way to do it. You can mark it on your Connect card that you're interested in partnership. And then we'll schedule around the schedules of those that want to take the class. And so if you're interested in that, we'd love you to do that. Uh, Connect cards. There's a QR code coming up on the screen. You can use that to um, fill out the electronic version of the QR code, or you can use the paper copy. Again, prayer requests, testimonies, information that you want to update. If you'd like to sign up for the partnership class, you can do that on there as well. Uh, I want to remind you of the schedule for today. So for those of you that are either members or partners, we invite you to be a part of this process today. Um, the building that we are looking at purchasing downtown, uh, 304 Dakota Avenue South, is going to be open from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Now here's the thing, it's not going to take you an hour to walk through it, but here's what I know, uh, Pop Ice Cream opens at 3 o'clock. <laughs> So I'm just telling you, uh, if you come and look through it, and then you want to maybe have a little treat, uh, you know, those things go together really well. I'm not saying I'm going to pay for it. I'm not, this is not a bribe in any way. I'm just telling you what I know. Um, but from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock, uh, we do have extra uh, masks available for those of you that are maybe concerned about the mold issue. I will tell you, uh, it's a whole lot better today than it was the first time I looked at that building um, because there's a, a group that uses it for archery, and so they've uh, done some cleaning and some spraying in there. And so it, uh, it's going to smell a whole lot better today than it ever has. And so uh, uh, just full disclosure. Then at 4 o'clock, we're going to meet upstairs for House of Prayer. We're going to move up the time. Uh, we want to pray together for uh, an hour. Uh, we usually start with a couple worship songs, and then we spend some time in prayer. And then we're going to have an informational meeting that starts at 5 o'clock. And that informational meeting is, I'll just share with you what I know. Uh, we'll take questions from you, give you a chance to share uh, thoughts or things that the Lord has put on your heart. And so that is our schedule for today, and we encourage you to be a part of that throughout the day today. Uh, just to draw your attention to the Church Center app again. That's a great way to sign up for giving. Uh, the church directory is on there. And if you are not on the church directory, we would love to have you and your family on there so that people can contact you. Uh, you control how much information is on there. It's all up to you what you want to put, email address, phone number. Uh, pictures are great. When you are a new person to the body, it is nice to have a place to go to put names with faces so that you can learn names and you don't feel like you don't know anyone. Um, that's a helpful tool, and we want to make sure that that's available. So if you're not on there, please make sure that uh, you contact me. We'll get you on there for that. Um, offering baskets are going to be out on the table after service. Ties and offerings, global outreach, and the help fund. Uh, we've done a great job with our offerings right now for the month of August. I think we're up to about sixteen fifty, almost at our goal for of two thousand dollars for this month for our global partners around the world. So that offering basket's out there. If you want to give in that offering today, and then I will let you know our empowered youth is going to be starting on September the tenth. So on September the 10th, that's a Sunday, we're going to be meeting for Empowered Youth. We're going to have a little bit of a schedule change from Wednesday to Sunday, um, from 5 o'clock to 6.30, and then House of Prayer will move from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. So Empowered Youth, 5 to 6.30, 
House of Prayer 7 to 8. And so that's on the schedule in the back. I don't know that I've updated the schedule on uh, Church Center yet, but that'll get done this week. And so just wanted to make you aware of that change, parents. And then also, starting on September 10th, our, our kids' service, the, the older kids that go to kids' church, are going to be with us in the room for the worship segment of the service. So for the song time, they'll be here with us, and then we'll dismiss them for the message. And so they'll have about 45 minutes in class versus um, the hour and a half that we're, we're set aside in here. So that change is coming, and uh, you'll hear, parents, you'll hear more information about that in the weeks ahead. And then one last thing is uh, new t-shirts and polo shirts are available. So out in the lobby, there's a sign-up sheet if you'd like to order one of the purple t-shirts. Uh, the verse on the back is a little bit different. We are still working for the peace and prosperity of our city, um, but we want to, everywhere we go, proclaim that the, the kingdom is here. Uh, and we want to um, freely give what we have freely received. And so that's the verse on the back of that, and uh, it's still all about working for the peace and prosperity of our city as well. Um, but the purple shirts are out there. The sizes are on the... The rack. So they're hanging up the polo shirts, the t-shirts. If you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet. If you're confused, uh, let me know and I'll walk you through that process a little bit later on. So whew, that's a lot of announcements. I always feel like there needs to be like a, a long break after uh, announcements before we head into the message, but we're not going to do that. So if you do not have a copy of the Journey book with you and you would like a copy, our hosts have them on the side. So if you want to just throw up your hand, they will get you one of these. Um, if you have one at home and you forgot it, but you still want to have it in front of you to help out today, we'd love to put one in your hand. So don't be shy. Let them know and they will get one uh, to you. We are on part six today. As you know, as we've started walking through this book, um, the beginning of the book, parts one and two, talk about how serving Christ or following Jesus is really all about relationships. And we've illustrated that with the three tables that we have, and we've talked about these um, for several weeks as we've gone through this series, and we're going to continue to talk about them. The table of intimacy is where we sit with the Father. We walk in intimacy with Him. The table of communion is where we sit with other members of the body of Christ, and then the table of connection where we sit with other members um, of our community or other people that maybe are not a part of the body of Christ yet. Can we throw that slide up with the tables? Um, and so one of the questions that we've continued to ask is how do I sit or how do I become more constant at these tables? Um, I, we use tables at Restoration Church. We think it's significant. We think it's prophetic. We think it speaks of what God is doing um, in the last days. And it's not about sitting and having a meal with someone, but it's about establishing relationships with people. Um, a lot of times that's done best at a meal, but sitting at a table with someone and having coffee or having a meal is a whole lot different than um, sometimes having a conversation with them in a way that maybe puts our defenses up. And so we want to find ways to connect with God regularly, with others in the body of Christ, and with others in our world. And so how do we live in constant communion um, with God? How do we walk, as in Paul says, praying without ceasing? How do we do that? Um, and so those are some things that we've been talking about. Um, even how do we commune with other members of the body of Christ? I think in the Western world, churches are connected by buildings and programs. And so what we see happening is um, it's easy for people to church hop. 
like they go from one church to another when buildings change or, or programs change or things change. Um, and we have to be connected in the body of Christ at a way deeper level than buildings and programs. Um, and so in some ways, we, we have to know how to do that deeper work. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Um, it's really all up to you. It really is. I mean, as, as a leader in the church, I can do so much, but I can't make you do anything to connect to the body. It's ultimately, you're, you're in control of your level of connection to the body. And so there's, we can create pathways and, and on-ramps and all kinds of language that they use today, um, but uh, ultimately, you get to control that. And so I would encourage you and challenge you to, to piggyback off of what Christina said. Uh, I think in these last days, the church is going to need com- community in the body of Christ more than ever before. Uh, don't wait till it, it's needed uh, because it's going to be too late. That's what's going to happen. And so I, f- I hear the Spirit saying the body of Christ needs to start getting connected better. Um, we need to, to respond to that because there's going to be a day where we need to be connected. Um, and we've, we've got to find ways to do it apart from buildings and programs. So there's that. Um, then we have to find opportunities to connect with our neighbors, um, our coworkers. Individually, I have to connect to my neighbors. You have to connect to yours, our coworkers, people that we know in the community. But there's also a corporate connection that I believe has to take place. And so we do events as a, a corporate body that we want everyone to be a part of because that's how we corporately connect with our community. And so the Trunk or Treat would be an example of that. The National Night Out is an example of that. Different things that we do throughout the year are ways that we communi- communally connect with the, body of, or the, the, the city of Huron. And so I think that's important as well. So those are some of the themes that we've been talking about and we're going to talk about till Jesus comes back. But part six in your book, so if you're there, it's titled, What Should I Know About Prayer? What should I know about prayer? Now, obviously, we are not going to cover everything you know, need to know about prayer um, because I don't even know everything that you need to know about prayer. I'm still learning about prayer and how to commune with God and what it looks like. And so we never stop growing in the area of prayer. But for Christians, especially in the Western world, I believe we talk about, read about, study even say, like, I'll pray for you. It's culturally acceptable to say, I'll pray for you to someone. We do all of that far more than we actually pray. And as helpful as it is to talk about it and study it and think about it, until we actually start praying, it really doesn't do much. In fact, sometimes adding knowledge without experience deceives us. Deceives us to the place where we're like, oh yeah, I believe prayer matters. Prayer changes things. But our actual prayer life would testify that we don't believe that. And so I love the challenge that Christina again gave us today. Um, sometimes I laugh at the songs we've chosen and the things that people share because I'm like, wow, that's going to fit so well with the sermon today. Um, and so I get to live in my own little world over there sometimes where it's like, I don't tell Stan or Christy what songs to pick. I don't tell people what to testify. But when they come together, I would encourage you to pay special attention to that because it seems like the Holy Spirit's got his finger on something. Um, and so process that as we go through. And so Today, I don't want this to be about a guilt trip because guilt is a terrible motivator. Um, I, hope it's a, it's, I hope it's an encouragement to you because prayer is powerful. It changes things. Um, and we've been lazy in that area. We need to grow in it. 
And I don't want you to set the egg timer for an hour this week. If you prayed one minute last week, go two. That is a great challenge. Um, we just need to keep growing in the area of prayer so that what we say matches our level of belief. Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Luke chapter 11, and we're very familiar with the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, that he taught them. But then in verse 5, he says, teaching them more about prayer, he uses this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, okay, this is Jesus saying to you and I today, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, I mean, you know the old song, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, what a friend we have in Jesus, he is our friend, but even though he will not do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I mean, at some point, you want to go to sleep, and you know the only way to get that person to go away is to get up. So I can imagine what it's going to be like when you open the door to give loaves of bread. I don't know if it's going to be a beautiful, in the name of the Lord, <laughs> please go away. But uh, in, in this scenario, however... What Jesus goes on to say, he says, so I tell you, we serve a father that does not need us to irritate him, so he finally acts. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about, as, as people, if we are shamelessly persistent, you can get a sinner, another sinful human being, a broken, imperfect human being, to finally do what you need them to do. We don't need to convince God to act. But sometimes prayer is needed to be persistent for some reason. It may be to transform us. It may be to transform circumstances. It may be there's a war going on in heavenly places that we don't know about. All of those are in the scripture. So I don't know why we need to persist, but I know that Jesus says this in verse 9. I tell you, keep on asking. That's a continual present tense thing to keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be open to you. I'm not saying that you can just ask for anything you want and you get it. We have to ask according to the Father's will. We have to learn what that is. I think our, our prayers over the course of our lives get shaped and changed as we grow as believers. I, um, it's not a, you know, Jesus is not Santa Claus. But here's what I know. The title of the sermon is, What Goes Up Will Come Down. What goes up will come down. Every prayer that is prayed gets answered. Every prayer that is prayed gets answered. Every time. Every time. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is not yet. But you keep asking. And you keep seeking. And you keep knocking. We don't know when or where or how or in what form that prayer will be answered. Sometimes our prayers we keep asking will be morphed a little bit and we're going to ask a little bit better. I mean, there's an old country song that says, thank God for unanswered prayers. I mean, how many of us have prayed a prayer where we're like, thank God he did not answer that prayer. 
Um, and so, you know, the unanswered prayers of God sometimes are wiser than us. And so as we talk about prayer today, I want us to keep some things in mind. And I'm not going to take time to go through all of part six with you, but I want to highlight it because in, the, in this section of the booklet, they break it out into two parts, speaking and listening. Prayer is both of those things. Prayer is a dialogue. It's communication with God. Um, it's not just your quiet time. It's not just what we do at House of Prayer. It's communion with God throughout the day. I have to learn to speak to Him, and I have to learn to listen to Him all throughout the day. Now, that's best learned by setting aside time each day to spend with Him. It's best learned by being quiet and settling yourself down and establishing a routine of prayer so that you can learn how to speak to him and you can learn how to listen for his voice. Um, prayer, I heard the question once, does prayer change us or does prayer change our circumstances? Does prayer change us or does prayer change our circumstances? And the answer to that is yes. Yes. It does both of those things. It changes us, and it changes our circumstances. Um, in fact, it will always change us before it changes our circumstances. Um, sometimes it does both. Sometimes it does one. Um, but it does all of these different things. And the, the Bible, they, they list in the booklet the different kinds of prayers. In the book of Ephesians and in Philippians and in the book of Timothy, Paul talks about praying all kinds of prayers, different kinds of prayers. There's more than one type of prayer. And they outline, I'm not going to read the definitions to you, but you can find them there, prayer and petition and intercession and adoration and thanksgiving and praise. We're challenged throughout the scripture to pray all kinds of prayers. Some of us have our favorite kind of prayers that we like to pray, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we're supposed to pray all kinds of prayers. So even if a prayer is not your favorite, you need to do it. There's a reason for it. There's a time for it. And the Holy Spirit will help us to know when to pray it. I'll tell you this, on days when you have a bad attitude, prayers of thanksgiving will actually help fight against that. Whenever you feel like complaining or arguing or grumbling, yet prayers of thanksgiving or songs of thanksgiving actually are a way to do battle against your own heart. And so those are, are times when you choose that kind of prayer. Whenever you're, you're afraid, whenever you're anxious, Prayers of, of, of trust or praise are good things to pray. So the Spirit helps us to know how to pray. A lot of times we as Pentecostals talk, think that that means the Spirit will pray in tongues. And we'll pray in tongues and the Spirit will just pray. I agree with that, but I think the Spirit also helps us know how to pray in English. Like what kind of prayer would I need to pray right now in this moment? And it's not always going to be what we think we ought to pray. So we've got to learn how to listen and respond because hearing God's voice is, is something you grow in. And so they, they give us four ways that we can learn to hear God's voice. Um, one is practice. Yeah, you just have to do it. Um, I can't teach you how to hear God's voice. I mean, I can give you some principles, but you're only going to learn by practice. So praying is how you learn to hear. Being quiet in your prayer time is how you hear. Responding in obedience to what you think the Spirit is saying is how you learn. Okay? And then sometimes not following through with what the Spirit said and you recognize, ooh, that was the Spirit and I didn't do it. And admitting you've made a mistake is how you learn to hear God's voice. And so it just takes practice. It also comes from different sources. And number two in your booklet, I love this one, it talks about focusing more on the content than the source. 
focusing more on the content than the source. Here's the thing. God has spoken to me through other people, Christians and non-Christians. He has spoken to me through them. He's spoken to me at movies, um, not just Christian movies, by the way, um, but all kinds of movies. He speaks to me through television shows. He sometimes speaks to me through inappropriate television shows. That I'm uh, Not just to say, you probably shouldn't be watching this, but sometimes he'll make a point. I'm not just saying that, that, by the way, if God speaks through an inappropriate movie you're watching, it doesn't justify the movie. It just means God's able to speak through all kinds of stuff. Um, because he speaks through sinners. It doesn't mean he's pleased with that sinner. He can speak to an open heart through any source. And the, the goal is don't focus on the voice of, or the person who's doing the speaking or the avenue through which it comes. Focus on the content of what is being said. And then they give you this, this thing. I put this on the screen because I love this. The difference between God's voice and Satan's voice or your own voice or whatever voice, um, God's voice will still you. Other voices will rush you. God's voice will lead you. Other voices will push you. God's voice will reassure you. Other voices will frighten you. God's voice will enlighten you. Other voices will confuse you. God's voice will encourage you. Other voices will discourage you. God's voice will comfort you. Other voices will worry you. God's voice will calm you. Other voice will obsess you. The Holy Spirit will not obsess you. He will not make your mind race. Okay? He is gentle. I mean, He will keep speaking and He will remind you of things, but He will not work in manipulative or controlling ways or manners. That is not how God operates. That's how the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of darkness operates. God will convict. Other voices will condemn. Some Christians will be on the other voice columns at times, um, and some Christian or some sinners will be in the God's voice column at times. And so, don't just focus on um, even for a Christian. Don't just assume that if another Christian is telling you something, it's God's voice. I love the body of Christ, but we don't always speak for God. Amen. I don't always speak for Him, so I know you don't always speak for Him too, because you're just like me. And so there are times that we give people our best advice and it's not what God's doing or saying. So be careful when you give advice, give it in a spirit of humility that offers it because I think there, that if the Spirit puts it on your heart, you should offer it. But also, you could be wrong and allow the Holy Spirit to use that. So when number three says, what, be sure what you hear aligns with Scripture. So you take whatever voice that you've heard, whatever message, and it should line up with this book. Now, this book doesn't tell us everything. It doesn't apply to every situation and moment, but there are enough guiding principles and there is enough of the character of God revealed in this book to be able to help us ascertain God's thoughts on every subject. Yes, everything. Because we just have to learn how God thinks, how God acts, and learn how to apply it to our lives. The fourth one is that you need community. You need community because here's the thing. We have the amazing propensity for self-deception. I don't care how long you've served Jesus Christ, you have the propensity to self-deceive, to believe what you want to believe or to gather around yourself what your own itching ears want to hear. Um, all of us can do that. And I hope that you have people in your life that come to you and challenge you when your behavior begins to, to act 
unaccording to the character of God. If you don't have people in your life that speak challenging words to you, you don't have friends. And there, there's a movement in our world today where you don't have to belong to a, any one body of Christ, you just belong to the universal body. That is such a self-deception. Because that is way too easy for us to just do life with whoever makes us feel comfortable in the moment. And you can walk in full disobedience to God with other Christians holding your hand. So be careful. Join a body of Christ, whether it's this one or anyone, just join one that teaches the Bible, walk in community with those people, and invite challenge. Hey, if you see me walking in a way that I shouldn't walk, pull me aside and challenge me. Okay? We need it. Amen. That's great stuff. So I want to give you a couple principles today um, out of the Draw the Circle book. That's that book. You can read the rest of that. Look up the scriptures that go with it. Um, there's a place for you to maybe jot some notes if you want to write down some of the other principles that I share. But everything I'm going to share with you now comes from the book Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson. Um, it's a book that I've gone through myself about 15 to 16 times. Um, I've gone through just anytime I go through a 40-day time of prayer, it's one of my go-tos because it is a book that teaches a lot of principles on prayer, but it's also got some amazing testimonies. Um, testimonies do a lot for your faith. It just reminds you what God can do. And it gets your eyes off of your difficulty or your problem, and it reminds you God can overcome that in just a moment. You just need to stay faithful. Um, and so I love that book. I use it all the time. And so I want to just share a couple principles from that that just kind of remind us about prayer. And the first one is, prayer is the difference between the best God can do and the best we can do. Prayer is the difference between the best God can do and the best we can do. Uh, in the book, Mark tells us the story about George Washington Carver and the peanut. George Washington Carver um, found 300 uses for the peanut, and it actually helped revive the southern economy. At the time, Mark goes into the full story in the book. Uh, he went before Congress. Congress gave him like five minutes to speak, and he was there for several hours. They invited him to come back any time. He wowed them with what he had taught, and George Washington Carver gave all the credit for everything he discovered about the peanut to what God revealed to him in prayer. When you pray, God speaks. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were ten times wiser than any of the other people in Babylon that were educated in Babylon. Why? Because they were people of prayer. When you spend time in the presence of God, practical things will happen for you. You won't just brainstorm ideas at your workplace, you'll pray storm ideas. God will bring you wisdom and insight practically for things to do or not do, things to avoid and not avoid. And sometimes your boss may say, well, why do you think that? And you can just say, you know, I don't know, I just have a hunch. Now, if your boss is open to hearing about the Holy Spirit, then you tell him, I think God's put it in my heart. Or it might just be a hunch. You don't want to blame God for some dumb idea that came in your head. So it might just be better to say that it's a hunch. And if it works out great, then you give the credit to him. I think God put that in my heart. If it fails, then you take all the responsibility for that. But these are things... Now, I know we can over-spiritualize it. And we do sometimes in the church, so we want to be careful we don't do that, where we're like, well, I know God told me this. Uh, be careful when it affects other people. If you want to say that God told you, um, and it's not clear in this book, just be careful, okay? Because sometimes we can convince ourselves God is saying something when He's not. It's called a familiar spirit. It's in the Scripture, but that's a sermon for a different day. 
Mark tells us in the book, pray like it depends upon God and work like it depends upon you. Prayer matters. All of us would go to Ephesians chapter 6. Very familiar passage of Scripture. We know this one. Be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We would probably all be like, yeah, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But the question is, do our lives actually show that? Or do we spend more time talking about our problems, studying our problems, researching our problems, uh, telling everyone about our problems? Or do we spend time actually wrestling with spiritual forces for our problems? Are we actually doing the best we can do or are we doing the best God can do by hitting our knees and praying about all things? Because he goes on in the next verse to say, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. The Apostle Paul is saying, I don't trust myself. Pray for me. I need your prayers to help me be more effective. We were already challenged to pray for the other people in the body of Christ today. Maybe put a star on that one. I think the Holy Spirit is saying this. I want to be a church where we don't just say we wrestle with flesh and blood. I want us to prove it by how we pray. I want us to prove it by how we don't complain about things more than we pray about things. Since the Bible says don't complain about anything, I want that to be the reality of our lives. I'm trying to grow in that. I promise you I don't do it well. I repented last week at House of Prayer for a way that I had done something very dishonoring, I thought. The Holy Spirit put it on my heart. I prayed it. And I think I saw an answer later that week about it. And so this is something that we have to learn and grow in. All right, we've got to keep moving. Number two, prayer is the difference between seeing with our physical eyes and seeing with our natural eyes. Anybody can look with their natural eyes and give their natural opinion about it or even just cut up the Bible and copy and paste a scripture on it and say, this is what God's doing. But I think sometimes we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen because sometimes God may be doing something that's going to surprise us and we're not, we're not sure initially that it is God. Um, it's about getting to know our spiritual senses, if you will. In 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, Elisha is surrounded by armies with his servant, and his servant is deathly afraid. And the prophet says to him in verse 16, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked up and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. People who pray regularly will not get as bent out of shape in their normal lives. Just going to leave that there. In John chapter 4, Jesus is trying to talk to his disciples. They don't understand why he's talking to a Samaritan. Why is he even talking to a Samaritan woman? What is going on? And why won't he eat food? He's got to be hungry. And Jesus is trying to teach them a spiritual thing. And he says to them in verse 35 of John 4, Don't you have a saying, It's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. I want to be a church that stops saying, oh man, America is so bad. Oh, Amer I'm telling you right now, America's ripe for harvest. 
And it's all about whether or not you're spending enough time to get your eyes on what God is doing in our nation or whether you're just listening to Fox News and CNN about what the enemy is doing in our nation. That's good. I'll just keep reminding you little tidbits on my Facebook page all about this during election season. This is my favorite time of year. Number three, prayer is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. It's the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. The scripture tells us Jesus stands making intercession for you and I all the time. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Um, I love how Mark illustrates this as like the double prayers that are being offered on your behalf every single day. That ought to empower you every morning in the shower. Man, I've got the Son of God and the Spirit of God interceding for me today. There's no way I can fail. I mean, I may stumble, I may even fall down, but I cannot fail because look at who's praying for me. And rather than standing in the shower, nobody prays for me. Nobody intercedes for me. Remind yourself, you've got the two most powerful forces on the, in the universe praying for you. So if, if no one else is, which by the way won't be true, but the enemy will tell you that, he is. On the flip side of this, I want you to remember that God is our defender and we are not His. He does not need us to defend Him. He does not need us to fight His battles. Do not get offended for Him. Remind yourself we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses tells the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians that you see today will never be seen again. People who feel like, well, you can't just pray, you have to do something. Don't understand the power of prayer. Now, is there ever a time to act? Absolutely. Mark will tell you over and over there's a time to act. But the time to act is in line with what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. It might be time to lay your life down. And the reason things aren't getting better at home is because you keep pushing buttons rather than humbling yourself and trusting God to work in your spouse or your kids or your parents. Mmm, that's some good stuff, Pastor Tom. Thank you for preaching this to us today. But prayer is what changes our confidence. If we become people... Because here's the thing. You can just try to force yourself. Oh, I'm going to white-knuckle it. Mm, I'm going to trust in God. Can I tell you, that is not going to work. It might work for a short time, but if you do not become a man or a woman of prayer, you will be white-knuckling it till Jesus comes. And it, it, it will be the most miserable existence you've ever had. But when you learn to become a man or a woman of prayer, you learn what it is to rest. And things in your life may be absolutely crazy and chaotic, but there's going to be a peace that passes all understanding that guards your heart and your mind and your mouth. Amen. Number four, prayer is the difference between appointments and divine appointments. Again, it's the difference between trying to make things happen and letting God open a door for us. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the, the, the story uh, to his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. If Jesus had to tell a story to remind us to always pray and not give up, that must mean that we are going to be tempted to give up on prayer. I would just, that's just what I'm thinking. Okay? So he tells this story about this widow that keeps pestering an unjust judge. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, who are relentless in their prayers? 
Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Not will he find a church that says we believe in prayer, but will he find a church that cries out day and night for justice on the earth? Like that's what God is looking for. Not for us to try to open any doors, but for us to say, God, this door needs to open. We can't open it. You've got to act. Man, that's going to change the world right there. And when you start praying like that, spiritual coincidences start happening. I could tell you story after story over the last five to six years. Some of them I'm going to share with you tonight at the informational meeting about coincidences that just happen in response to us praying about the vision God's put in our heart for Restoration Church. Man, it's just amazing when you pray about stuff, how these coincidences just happen. People that you try forever to answer the phone, don't answer the phone until after you pray. And then all of a sudden, they call you back. People that you need to talk to, just happen to, you bump into them on the street. And they say, hey, I was just thinking about you. Well, that's funny because I need to have a conversation with you. It's funny how coincidences, which aren't really coincidences when you pray, happen to people who pray often. However... Some of them happen at inconvenient moments. Most of them happen at inconvenient moments. If you think of the blind beggar on the road to Jericho, Matthew chapter 20 tells that story. I don't have it on the screen. But the disciples are like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And Jesus is like, nope, I need that interruption. Like you gotta, this is not a coincidence that we're passing by this way. Okay, so bring him to me. And then they're like, oh, cheer up, he wants to see you. Um, Again, just the reminder we've got to see with our spiritual eyes. Number five, prayer is the difference between the favor of God and the luck of the draw. Woo-hoo. I love Moses' prayer in Exodus chapter 33. God's like, uh, I'm going to send angels with you. I'm going to do all these things for you. And he's like, don't you dare do that. <laughs> if you don't personally go with us, do not make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably upon me and on your people if you don't go with us? Well, pastor, they're going to know because we carry our Bibles. They're going to know because we wear Restoration Church t-shirts. They're going to know we have the favor of God because we know Scripture verses that we can quote in them, to them out of context in an angry voice. They're going to know. No, they're going to know because of the favor of God that rests on your life and there are no shortcuts to the favor of God. It comes with time in the presence of God. Moses' face shone on the mountain. And, the, and Paul pulls that into the New Testament in 2 Corinthians and he tells the people that our faces should display an ever-increasing amount of glory. Christians should not be grumpy. And if you are grumpy, you need more time in His presence to get you ungrumpy. That's the only way. Because there's a lot in the world to make you grumpy. I know. I mean, people are crazy out there. It just makes you grumpy. Number six, prayer is the difference between closed doors and open doors. It's an obvious thing, I think. It goes with so many of the other ones. Revelation chapter 3, um, the, the words of Jesus says, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. 
I know you have little strength. You've kept my word. You've not denied my name. And I will make, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. He will open doors no one can shut. You do not have to get bent out of shape because there's a coworker trying to close the door on your promotion. You just need to get into the prayer closet and say, uh, Son of David, you need to open the door that needs to be opened that no one can shut. And sometimes that might be the door over our mouths. He might need to shut that one. Because sometimes I think we we go into the prayer closet and then we go out of the prayer closet and we open our mouths and mess up everything we asked him to do in there. So we want to be careful that we trust him and remind ourselves, they want to try to close that door? Go ahead. If If they can close that door, he didn't want that door open. Because I have prayed and trust. There's a good thing there. And number seven, probably one of my favorites, prayer is the difference between possible and impossible. Last week, Mal charged, charged us and challenged us that sometimes you have to do hard things. Sometimes you have to do hard things. But here's the thing. We serve the God of the impossible. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. In context... God has just told a 15-year-old girl that's a virgin that she will have the Messiah. And she's like, huh? How is that possible? Nothing will be impossible for God. In the book of Numbers, there's an interesting story where God tells Moses to tell the millions of people that are, or the million people that are in the wilderness with him that God is going to send enough meat for them to eat to the point where they are going to be sick of it. Now, I was just at Buffalo Wild Wings yesterday, and I ordered 30 traditional wings. That's a lot of wings. I did not plan to eat them all there. But when I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, I love meat. I love wings. And so I went there knowing I want to have wings for now. I want to have wings tonight for supper. And I want to have wings for breakfast. And praise God, I had wings for breakfast. I don't know how much meat I would need to eat to get sick of it. I don't know what that would take. But I'm like, Lord... Answer that prayer for me. (laughs) I mean, I want to know how much buffalo wild wings it takes for me to get sick of it. And Moses is clearly like, tell them what? How in the world are we going to get enough meat for this many people to be sick of it? And I love God's response in verse 23 of Numbers 11. Is the Lord's arm too short? There is nothing that he cannot do. And the difference... Whether or not we're going to know that in the moment is going to be whether or not we're spending time with Him. So if you've prayed one minute this week, pray two, last week, pray two this week. Grow in it. Because all of, there's nothing impossible. Nothing impossible. And that's what's going to start coming out of your mouth. There's going to be a situation at work where you would have thrown up your arms and been like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? But as you start spending more time in His presence, in that moment, you're going to be like, man, let's see what God wants to do. God, I need an idea right now because this thing is crazy. I don't have no idea what to do. Man, and watch God work. So here's how we're going to end service today. In just a moment... We're, Shane is my, my lovely volunteer right here. He's got a microphone, and we're going to have three to five people pray. We want you to pray for our body. We want you to pray for our city. We want you to pray for our nation. We want you to pray for other people. However God leads you to pray for people. 
I want you to pray as their advocate, not as their accuser. Okay? We don't accuse anybody of anything. We pray on behalf of others that God will do good things in their lives. We bless our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We want to be honoring in our prayers. But I'm going to look for three to five volunteers. I'm going to wrap up the sermon. And I told you now because I'm like, I'm going to give you time. But if you want to make your way down to these chairs and be ready, let's do it. Because here's what I want us to do. Um, Not just pray right here together today. But I want us to learn how to pray without ceasing. Not just to be a people that say, man, we believe in the power of prayer. I want the testimony of our prayer lives to speak that we believe in the power of prayer. We want to be a people that keep asking, that keep seeking, that keep knocking, because we know what goes up will come down. We do not want to be a people that try to manipulate or control anything. Because manipulation and control are demonic forces. It says it in this book. We don't have to fight for ourselves. We are going to learn to trust Him and to wait for Him to act. That takes a a high level of trust that comes through spending time in prayer. I want us to be a body that makes corporate prayer a high priority. Corporate prayer, a high priority. For 25 years... I have, we have had prayer in our church. And as a church, we do not place a high priority on corporate prayer. We just don't. We just don't believe it's the power that it's going to change anything. I love the fact that right now we have property in the heart of our city. Last week during House of Prayer, I felt like I got a picture of prayers going up in the center of Huron that we're actually doing battle over heavenly places. So here's the thing. We have a crowd of people, or we have people that come. Um, I'm, I'm generally never there alone. So there's two of us there. And so I don't think that it's ever a failure when we meet for prayer because prayers are going up. Um, if I'm ever there alone, prayers will still go up. And so I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad or guilt you again I'm just saying we have got to find a way to up our game of prayer I realize you may not be able to be physically present but why not pray where you are pray at the same time as us send text messages that say hey I'm praying right now for this to happen we have got to find a way to because in reality we won't ever find a time to pray together where everyone can make it can't do it well, nothing is impossible for God. Uh, but we've got to find a way to, to, to pray corporately without having to necessarily be physically present. Does that make sense? We've got to grow in our understanding of prayer. I think the strategic place on 3rd and Dakota is going to someday be more than just house of prayer on Sunday nights. That place is going to be a house of prayer at so many different times, um, Maybe 24-7. Wouldn't that be great to have a place in Huron that prays 24-7? Nothing's impossible for God. But I believe when we pray corporately, it it adds a a powerful dimension to our prayers. It just, it absolutely does. We pray together and it, it unites us together. I have a professor that in college that, ta- that told me one of the most public things you will ever do is your private devotions. One of the most public things you will ever do is your private devotions. Because the more, spend you, the more time you spend in private with the Lord, the more it will be apparent in public. I have another professor that taught us that the most intimate thing you will ever do with a person is pray. 
the most intimate thing you will ever do with another person is pray. So they were, were teaching us, college students who, of course, knew way more than our professors, um, that if you're dating someone, don't ever go alone to a place and pray. Seriously, because the spiritual connection that happens will lead you to compromise your values. Um, if you're going to pray together, do it in public. Pray together in a public place where you will not compromise because you will go there with good intentions in your heart to actually just pray together and get closer in Christ, um, but the enemy will use that to actually lead you astray. Um, and of course, we all knew better. Um, and, I, and they were right. They were right at the end of the day. Marriages where people pray together are stronger than marriages where people don't pray together. The most intimate, it's hard to hate someone you pray with. It really is. Um, one of the, the people I became the closest to, the fastest, was a, a guy by the name of Bob Glanzer. Bob was um, a state representative. He passed away during COVID. Uh, I really only, I knew Bob for a while, but I really only knew Bob for about a year before he passed away. We were in a building program at James Valley. Bob and I met together almost every single day, and we prayed together for 40 minutes. Now, there, some days there were like five people in the room, some days six people in the room, um, but some, m most days it was me and Bob. Um, and I'll tell you what, you, you don't, you just, there's a, just a connection. When Bob passed away, I'm like, how do I get this emotional for a guy that I barely even knew? Um, but when you pray for people, you start to see into their heart in ways that you just can't imagine. So why as a pastor do I say, hey, guys, come to, because I, I can tell you vision on Sunday morning. There's something about house of prayer that'll put vision in your heart better than that. I just, you catch something when you pray together with people. And it doesn't have to be house of prayer. It can be just anywhere. Hey, let's all get together and let's just pray for our church today. Praise God. Pastor, are you okay with that? Yes, yes, I am. Please do that all the time. So, none of you have moved yet, but I'm going to trust that as we stand together, um, that all of the volunteers are going to rush to Shane right now, and he is going to have his microphone ready, and we're going to just uh, close our time together praying for each other, praying for our body, praying for our community, and so if we could get at least a couple of you to begin to move towards Shane right now. The Spirit of God is going to lead you. You just have to do it. You just have to be bold. There's a couple moving. Praise God. So Shane's going to start us off. He's going to lead us in prayer. We're going to pass the mic down, let everyone pray, and then I'm going to close us up, and we're going to let you go today. But join them as they lead us in prayer. All right. God, I just thank you for the vision you gave us as a, as a church for the to work for the peace and prosperity of the city. God, I just pray as we... Um, go downtown this evening and look at this building, God, that you would just give us vision. You would help us look past the, the mold and all the work that would need to be done in this location, God, that we would just see it as a location, a, a strategic location where we can reach the lost, we can open our doors and use it for a tool to reach our community in the strategic location in the center of our city. God, I just pray you just... Um, I just ask for unity and clarity and direction. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you so much for your goodness, for your constant presence in our life, for your faithfulness, for being the King of kings and the name above all names. 
Thank you, God, that nothing that comes against us shall prosper. And as we, sta we stand on the firm foundation that you've placed us on because of the righteousness that we have through Jesus Christ, we ask God humbly for your help that each moment of each day that we would fix our eyes and our gaze upon you, that we would not look to the left or to the right, that we would not be caught in the waves of this world, but that we would stay tethered and betrothed to you because you are trustworthy. We pray, God, whatever it is in our lives that cause us so easily to stumble, that even now, together as we pray, that you would sever those things off in the name of Jesus, never to return, as we walk out in the authority that you've given us through Jesus Christ. Teach us how to pray together better and help make it a spiritual priority in our lives, enabling us to grow together as your body. In Jesus' name. Dear Lord, we just pray for um, specifically Restoration Church, dear Heavenly Father. I pray that you would help us see that we are each individuals who have special gifts that you have given us, dear Heavenly Father. I pray that um, you would strengthen us as a church to love on each other and to pray at all times. God, I thank you for the word that we heard this morning from Pastor Tom. Thank you for uh, leading him to bring that to us this morning. And Father, I pray for those that would maybe have some apprehension about the week ahead as they think about uh, their, their prayer life. God, maybe there's, there's people that think that their schedule is, is too demanding or their responsibilities at home are, are too much to, to make time for it. But God, I, I pray that you would um, put peace into hearts right now for those that maybe would think that this is an impossible task. God, we've, we've heard it several times, and we know it to be true that you are the God of the impossible. And so, God, there's, there's nothing that can't be done when we are joined with you. So, Lord, help us this week to make it a priority to spend time with you, to, to not make time, but to set time aside. Lord, we can't add time to our day. There's 24 hours in one day. We can't we can't make it 27, although that would be pretty cool if we could. But Lord, help us with the, the 24 hours that we have. Lord, help us to carve out the time that we need to spend it with you. If, if it was zero last week, make it one minute this week. If it was one minute last week, make it two. God, we, we need to be a people that are joining with you individually and, and, and privately so that together as a body and corporately, we can be uh, hearing from you and walking in the vision that you have put before us. So, Lord, I pray for unity. I pray for boldness. I pray for a reprioritization of uh, the things that, that take place in our life, whether it's uh, setting work aside for tomorrow, or shutting the TV off, or shutting our phones off, or putting the, the chips away, or, or whatever it would be, God, we pray that we would be a people of prayer and that we would make that part of our lives. Yeah. And Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now for just strategic wisdom for each and every one of us. God, to know areas of our lives that could be cut in order to, to make time to spend with you. God, that you would give us strategies and plans. God, that Holy Spirit, that you'd bring to our minds in the middle of a conversation that we could stop and just pray. 
that we would not say to someone, I'll pray for you, but that we would just stop and pray for them in that moment. God, that we would offer um, the, the lamest childlike prayers because it's not our words. God, it's our heart connecting to you that we would not try to make this more difficult. I pray for any word that I spoke today that put guilt or shame on anybody's heart or mind. Holy Spirit, that you'd come and remove it, that you would t- take what I said in a wrong way and that you would twist it into the way that's right, God, so that they can hear it in a way that encourages and strengthens and builds up, that you teach me how to say it better next time so that I would help strengthen and build up this body. God, we know that there's power in prayer, or at least we, we kind of know, and we want to know more. God, we want to believe that. We want to be a people, God, that, that literally turn the world upside down because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in who you are. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask for that to resonate in our hearts in this week ahead. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for those of you that uh, braved the microphone to pray out loud. We love it. And uh, stop by the table before you leave today. Sorry we went a few minutes over, and uh, we'll give you a few minutes back some other time. God bless you as you go today.